Hey, it's Liz Kelly. Here are a few things to check out in the Ringer universe before the end of the week. We've got an oral history on the movie Rounders 20 years later going up on Thursday. So read that and then check out the Rewatchables episode that Bill and Sean did on the movie earlier this month. And don't forget about our extensive football coverage. We have a new pod going up every day of the week on the Ringer NFL show and more football content on the Bill Simmons podcast, Dual Threat, and Against All Odds. Subscribe to those and more on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are black again. It's another episode of On Shuffle, and I'm your host, Micah Peters, staff writer at The Ringer, great website. And I don't know about you, but I can't stop thinking about that picture of Kevin Gates riding a roller coaster with his power beats in, somehow looking both unfazed and completely distressed. But we're not talking about that today. Today we have my friend and producer slash artist, multi-instrumentalist, Pell. We're also going to talk to Ringer New York Bureau Chief Donnie Kwok, who is going to update us on the current state of various active rap beefs. Let's get into it. Guys, it has been a long-ass summer. A lot of strange things have happened. Most recently, Drake brought Meek Mill out on stage to perform Dreams and Nightmares, and they hugged. The beef is squashed. But there's a lot of other beef that's going on at the moment, and who better to help us out with what the hell is going on than resident beef correspondent Donnie Kwok. Donnie. Treyway, oh, come on. Every, All right. Every, everything is good, man. <laughs> so there are several things that are going on at the moment. A lot of people are hurling tweets and and barbs and Instagram captions at each other. Let's start with Eminem and Machine Gun Kelly. You done? Doing this once. Rihanna just hit me on a text. Last night I left hickeys on her neck. Wait, you just dissed me, I'm perplexed. Insult me in a line, compliment me on the next. Damn, I'm really sorry you want me so, to have a So, what is going on there? <laughs> I know for the fact that like Eminem dissed Machine Gun Kelly on Kamikaze, but before that there was Rap Devil in response to Eminem reportedly trying to quote-unquote blackball Machine Gun Kelly from the rap community because he tweeted that Haley, Eminem's daughter, was hot. This is all yeah, very complicated. <laughs> Yeah, I think that original Haley reference from MGK, not that I follow MGK's career as it were that closely, but I think that was from like 2011, if I recall correctly. So Eminem basically sat on that for seven years, apparently, and then mentioned Machine Gun Kelly, I think on the first song on Kamikaze, the surprise album that he dropped a couple of weeks ago. The first song called The Ringer. <laughs> Great website. <laughs> Great website. So I've been giving the media fingers. They want to turn us to a counseling session. But they've been putting me through the ringer. So why ain't I shout with the press? And then uh, MGK pounced on that opportunity uh, to make a, a comeback song called Rap Devil. And that was probably, up to, until this point, the high point in Machine Gun Kelly's entire career. Homie, we get it. We know that you're the greatest rapper alive. 
fucking dweeb All you do is read the dictionary and stay inside Fuck rap god, I'm the rap devil Come a bare face with a black shovel Like the Armageddon When the smoke settle, his body next to this instrumental I'm saying I'm sick of It was very opportunistic and savvy by him To seize that moment of being mentioned in a song uh, By the best all-time selling rapper and, and people responded well to Rap Devil. I've, you know, your fucking beard's weird is a funny line. It's true. It does seem like it's a miscasting of Fidel Castro. It's, it's very strange. <laughs> the thing with Rap Devil to me was that I think MGK, jokes aside, I think he's always been a solid MC, I think. You know, I mean, he's technically good at rapping. Um, as a diss song, people were, I think, overreacting a little bit to how good it is because I think MGK had, you know, like sprinkled in disclaimers here and there about how he knows Eminem's the best or the best alive. And that kind of like takes the sting out of a diss when you're sort of tempering it with praise. I mean, do you agree? I would prefer my rap disses to be 100% negative all the way venomous, <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, I, I guess nobody would believe it if MGK was like, Eminem, you're whack, or you were never good. I mean, he had to acknowledge that. I mean, like, was, yeah, there's also just a, a special reverence held for Eminem that if you say anything about him, a lot of people appear in your mentions and Instagram comments. And before any of you start, I love myself more than to argue about album sales in, in my in my replies. Okay, actually, Mike, let me ask you a question. Can you name other than Rap Devil an MGK song? Uh, hmm. No, I, you can't. No, you can't. I do, but I do remember that one song that begins, "Yeah, bitch, yeah, bitch, call me Steve-O and I have no idea what oh, the name of yeah. that song is. <laughs> is it like Bad Boy or some shit like that? I Something have like it. That. I know that song. I, I know that song. That and also there was that one news item like a year or two ago where Machine Gun Kelly was had to cancel a show because he got punched in the chest, quote unquote, 83 times. <laughs> I remember that too. Yeah. Actually, I, I vaguely remember he had a duet with Wiz Khalifa, I think. But anyway, MGK has not had the most storied rap career. Uh, so this was a this is probably his peak. And I think for a comeback song against Eminem, he did well for himself in between rap devil and eminem's eventual return disc kill shot mac miller passed passed away as you guys talked about in the last episode so i think there was like a little bit of a moratorium there and and uh but after a few days that passed after that eminem dropped kill shot which what did you think of kill shot i i, I <laughs> side with i side with joe budden and that he rhymed a lot of words really fast it's not a song that you really feel compelled to listen to more than once i don't think I did not feel compelled to listen to it more than once. I did see that after that Machine Gun Kelly posted a photo to Instagram in front of a packed arena that simply said he missed and the hashtag leg shot. But did you read deeper into that? Because I, I read that that photo was not only staged, but also kind of... Well, he's opening up for Fallout Boy. Yeah, right and, and if you watch video of that, of him performing Rap Devil and, and after that, people were actually booing him, apparently. Riddle me this. How does g Easy factor into this? First of all, there's just the narcissism of small differences that occurs amongst white rappers. Um, so inevitably, they end up clashing in one way or another. And for g Easy, from what I read, 
his on again, off again girlfriend Halsey uh, went in one of their off periods because I don't know if they're back on or off, but in in their most recent off period, apparently MGK and her were spotted together, and I guess G Easy didn't take too kindly to that, and MGK posted and then I think deleted. Uh, a picture on Instagram of himself and GEZ side by side with both having like the same kind of blonde mop haircut, intimating that GEZ was trying to copy his swag or whatever, and then I smashed your girl or something like that. And then uh, GEZ ended up coming out with it. I'm not, I'm not sure if it was a total song, but at least some verses against MGK. It's kind of uh, a minor sidebar to this whole MGK Eminem thing. I guess MGK is kind of surly right now and taking his shots. So what is the absolute latest on this? First of all, Killshot came out audio only, dropped on YouTube, and it racked up, I think, 40 million views or something like that in a couple days. Mm-hmm. So Eminem had already dropped a couple videos. I think the Joyner Lucas song was one from, from Kamikaze, and Killshot killed, no pun intended, the videos that he's released for his album. So this was actually, I'd argue, positive for Eminem to have Machine Gun Kelly come at him. You know, it just overall just shows you how the commodification of beef and how beef can help your visibility and your career. I think overall, though, the reaction to Killshot was pretty muted. I mean, the only line I think that people are really quoting is something along the lines of, you named yourself after a damn gun, but you have a man bun, (laughs) something like that. I can't, I can't believe M didn't go after the fact that MGK had hair transplants, though. It feels like that would be an obvious diss. <laughs> well, I mean, like, as, as Tiger proved recently, you can always just tweet out a screenshot of you on the hair transplant doctor's website in <laughs> night mode. And, you know, like, the whole thing is, that's easily dismissed. It's a, it's like. a good point. Hair transplants are no longer, it's not, it's not a thing anymore. It's accepted, so... But yeah, I mean, I think that the end all or, or the end, the net net of all of this is that, you know, first of all, this is the type of beef where you don't really feel like the two people are actually angry at each other, right? I mean, it's like, it's very performative. There's no, if Eminem and Machine Gun Kelly were in an elevator together right now, nothing would happen. So Eminem throughout his career has taken shots or like side dissed a lot of people and very few people have come back at him because Eminem is so good at battling or dissing people. So credit to MGK for coming back at him. It's one of the few Eminem diss records that exists, I guess, right? I mean, who else has come back at Eminem? Because yeah. usually, well, usually he's taking shots at like Christina Aguilera or, you know, some of these kind Mariah of- Mariah Carey. Yeah. Oh, low key, Mariah Carey's diss on Eminem Mariah Carey, Mar- Mariah Carey's Eminem diss was, was obsessed, was good because she got Gucci Mane in on it and also <laughs> yeah. dressed up as Eminem, so. Yep, 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 that was good. I think Killshot was good for Eminem because it made him relevant again for at least a week. But I, I wouldn't imagine the MGK Eminem beef being a protracted one. I think it's probably dead now. What do you think? I thought that it was just a very long exercise and get off my lawn raps over, you know, <laughs> like new mainstream rap pastiches. Like there was a, there was, I was very upset about the Tay Keith beat being on there and him using the Migos flow over it. <laughs> Let's just move on to the next beef. Let's do that. The next beef is, well, Cardi B threw a shoe at Nicki Minaj yeah. recently and then sold out her lipstick like a day afterwards. So 
I I want to say that that's already over, but let's go back to the beginning because it kind of started with uh, the motorsport fiasco in 2017, which is that motorsport, the collaboration with Migos, Cardi B, and Nicki Minaj was released. There was a big argument online because there can never be more than two successful female rappers at the same time. Right, like the white rappers. There were a lot of comparisons and questions of who won the song. First was the interview that Cardi B gave on the the on Capital Extra where she was talking about how the verse, the Nicki Minaj verse that she heard on the final song was not the one that she heard initially, implying that Nikki was given the opportunity to change her verse, whereas Cardi B wasn't. And then, obviously, Nikki took exception to that. Uh, there was a tweet about it a few months later, and they've basically been going back and forth in this sort of cold war for a while. Right. Kind of similar to how Nas and Hove way back when, it was a cold war until a barrage of songs. Of real songs. So, I mean, I I anticipate or I hope just for entertainment's sake that some real diss songs are on the way. The key difference here is that Cardi B threw a shoe at Nicki Minaj. Classic, classic. I mean, we were just talking about how MGK and Eminem probably wouldn't lay a finger on each other if they were stuck in an elevator. I feel like Nicki and Cardi, yeah. Probably the latest on that is that they were split down the middle in their choice of candidate for New York governor because uh, Cardi backed the ascending Cynthia Nixon and Nicki Minaj backed Andrew Cuomo, which I mean, like, I have my own opinions about that and you likely have yours. <laughs> <laughs> this beef, although there hasn't again been like a real diss record to emerge from it yet, the fact that there seems to be some real enmity involved makes it higher stakes. Also, I would say it's a classic hip-hop beef template, which is the incumbent and the number one up-and-coming challenger um, trying to usurp the throne, as it were. So I appreciate this. And I think for Nikki, Nikki's really, she on her Beats Radio show basically went on like a, you know, one of many rants she's had on that show over the last few weeks, but she basically dissected her beef with Cardi. I would never talk about anyone's child or parenting. I don't care about anyone's parenting. I don't give a And it's so crazy to me that people always need to make Onika the bad guy. You know, those are kind of like gut punches there. I mean, not in rap form, obviously, but uh, Cardi had some words on Instagram. So basically, you're right. It's just kind of like a cold war that's sort of simmering and getting ready to be brought to a boil. And I imagine something's going to happen. So moving on from Nikki and Cardi B, uh, let's check in and see how Drake is doing since that's the last thing that we sort of talked about was we kicked off this summer with the Drake and Pusha T beef, which... Remember, I said Drake was in trouble. You did say Boy, Drake was, was in trouble. And wrong. you said that his next move was the most important one. Um, he released I'm Upset uh, soon after the music video, uh, which was he just had a Degrassi reunion and then kind of just ignored the whole thing for a while. (laughs) And uh, then Kanye released an album, declared the beef over. And, you know, there were a few kind of reports about who told whom what 
and how Pusha T was able to get his hands on, you know, the, uh, the Adonis information and the blackface photo and all these other things. But uh, by and large, nobody's really Kanye, talking Kanye about played it. Dumb. Kanye played dumb about all of that, right? L- later in an yes. interview saying that he didn't tell Pusha anything. And now Kanye has an album coming out in a couple of weeks, reportedly. So maybe he'll talk about it more in song form. <laughs> I, but yeah, Drake Drake came back, reclaimed the number one spot, still the king of, I guess, this generation. So and you know made amends with Meek Mill as you mentioned at the top. So now history has proven that you can't really you can't kill Drake. I think it's more that history's well. History has stayed consistent with the idea that Drake is going to happen whether you want it or not. <laughs> right. That's probably a better way of putting it. Yeah. Because the enemy push has been, Adidon was the last thing he released. So he hasn't said a word he on a record for months. It's not even a feature, nothing. Canceled the back half of his tour. But he did get married. And True. the photo of uh, his brother, No Malice, putting on his, t- his smoking jacket was honestly one of the best pictures of the year. Have you, uh, did you see some internet speculation, um, or at least like one Twitter user, I forget his name, long thread about this theory that Drake and Kanye's wife, Kim Kardashian West, had relations in the recent past while she was married to Kanye? And that Drake has been alluding to this sneakily throughout Scorpion and even on Sicko Mode. I mean, there's very, very kind of specific subliminal allusions to, you know, the Hidden Hills and his house being where it is and your wifey and all of this. I mean, like, I understand that. I feel like it would only be a matter of time before somebody found a way to manufacture that. But I prefer the less tabloidy version, which is just the truth is that good chance is that if you are going to any one of those cycling houses or hot yoga or whatever gym in Los Angeles, you're going to hear Drake at some point. And you're, <laughs> I mean, like she's, whether or not you like me, your wife is likely listening to my music and enjoys it, which is. I, I appreciate your charitable interpretation. <laughs> okay. So all that being said, is there anything that happens next? I mean, I think the most likely outcome is for Drake and Kanye and even Pusha to do some kind of collaboration together because that little rocky period has passed where they were all at odds. I don't think, you know, Drake and Kanye haven't, Kanye's been kind of sending olive branches Drake's way. Drake hasn't responded. But right now, Drake is not in his bitter space. He's in his positive space because uh, of the success of Scorpion and the fact that people kind of forgot about the whole Pusha thing. And Kanye right now is just on a collaborative spree, just announced his new album, photographed in the studio with Takashi announced a joint album with Chance the Rapper, announced Throne 2. So uh, he's in a positive space. So I feel like this quote-unquote beef, which really wasn't a beef other than the Pusha Drake exchange, is just going to peter out and they'll just be happy and rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems like the the logical end to... I mean, like, it, well, it's a fitting into a beef that it's that started and... Well, that's just how beef would be in 2018, it seems. 
Yeah, which makes me think, Micah. I mean, I was thinking about this while we were talking about beef. About beef in 2018 and the commodification of beef and how it can boost your career. You know, because obviously beef in the 90s was often resulted in violence or confrontation and even death. And it seems like beef is easier now because of social media. Uh, and there's no distance between rappers and fans and rappers and rappers. So if you want to communicate a diss or an insult to a rapper, you can just do it as an IG caption on their, you know, something that they post. And that could be a, that could precipitate a beef immediately. So on one hand, I think that makes m more beefs possible. But then on the other hand, I think the fact that rappers can contact each other so readily or that they're so visible and acting publicly, beef resolution is also easier. So it's easier to start a beef. It's easier to resolve a beef. Because, you know, I was just thinking like when Tupac and Biggie were beefing, like in the, in the mid-90s, for Biggie to get in touch with Tupac, he had to probably like page Tupac's man or maybe he had Tupac's number, page him try to get him to call him back, this or that. Like, you know, it wasn't a direct line like there is now. And so if Drake and Meek Mill want to make amends, they can do it in a snap, you know? I mean, this is also assuming that most of these beefs are real when, you know, probably, a, I'm not saying that they're all staged or anything, but there's some WWE shit going on. Yeah, I mean, like we've as said multiple times, Probably on this podcast, I can't remember, but rap is pro wrestling. Do you think social media helps beefs, hurts beefs, accelerates beefs? Social media accelerates the timeline of a beef because, this, like you're saying, the small things can matter, liking or not liking a photo. The Drake Beak Mill thing started because Drake didn't tweet out his album. Like, right. It matters whether you are or are not watching somebody's stories on Instagram, you know? Right. And also, you know, like, ironically, we're talking about beef right now on this podcast, but there's, you know, a whole cottage industry sprung up from just reacting to beef. So when Eminem and MGK get into it, then what's Joe Budden think about it? You know, what's academics saying like this and that? And it, it just kind of like adds momentum, creates more momentum around it when there's really... Like we were talking about Cardi and Nicki for five minutes. Like they haven't even really directly made records against each other, but they have this beef that's being sort of perpetuated by everybody talking about. Them. I guess you're right though. Cardi did throw a shoe at her. So. Which is iconic. <laughs> Which is iconic. Yeah. All right. This concludes our Rat Beef Report with Donnie. Donnie, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. If you need me, I'll be on Instagram not liking your photos. And I'll be on Twitter not retweeting your articles. Beef. Okay, we're going to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, Sonos. Meet the Sonos Beam, the smart, compact soundbar for your TV and the newest addition to the easy-to-use home sound system. Sometimes I just go home and walk in the door and be like, Alexa, play Young Thug. And then, you know, she does. Beam lets you play everything you love, from music and radio to movies, TV, podcasts, and more. Even use AirPlay to enjoy sound from your iPhone or iPad on Beam. All with rich sound that fills the room. Enjoy deep bass and detailed stereo separation for music, plus crystal clear dialogue for TV and movies. All it takes is one cord to connect your Beam to your TV, and it syncs with your existing remote. Or 
get hands-free control with Alexa, which is built in. The Sonos app walks you through the setup step-by-step, but if you don't even want to bother setting up your speakers, Sonos will send someone to do it for you. That's right. If you live in any major metropolitan area, Up and Running will have a Sonos expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. I had somebody actually come and do this. He set up the Sonos Beam, I made us coffee, then I put on a really loud and abrasive Iggy Pop song. Just order from Sonos.com and select Up and Running at checkout if you qualify. We are also sponsored by YouTube Music. We've all found ourselves down a rabbit hole in YouTube. There's so much music to discover there. You can spend hours exploring new songs and artists, and now there's an app to make it all so much easier. YouTube Music is a brand new music streaming service, combining everything you expect from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube to bring it all to life. YouTube Music makes it easy to find the music you're looking for. Official albums, singles, music videos, live performances, even covers and remixes. Don't know the song's name? Search by the lyrics. It's that easy. The YouTube Music app gives you the recommendations based on taste, location, and time of day. You can easily find the music trending around you no matter where you are. And with YouTube Music Premium, it's even better. Get ad-free music that plays with the screen off or while other apps are open. Finally, enjoy your music whenever you want it, even when you're offline. Download the new YouTube Music app today and start a free 30-day trial. Then enjoy music for just $9.99 a month. Terms and restrictions apply. YouTube Music, it's all here. I told her to drive over in a new whip Bring some friends she cool with I'm gonna play this easy like we did when life was easy She say I'm too out I'm in the studio with Pell who you might know as Spotify's Emerging Artist of the Year in 2013. Maybe it was one of the best independent releases of the year, Floating While Dreaming. He also produced the intro to uh, this podcast that you're listening to right now. Uh, Since he has followed up on that success by releasing an album in 2015 called Limbo, which he worked on with uh, Dave Sitek, who you might recognize as a producer who worked with, you know, the Carters on Everything is Love and so on and so forth. Um, he also put out an EP at the turn of the year called Yerasol, and uh, now he's working on new music, and he's here with me right now. How you doing today, man? Doing great. That was a great-ass intro. <laughs> I was... Am I allowed to curse? I, yeah, right, you're cool, allowed let to me, curse. Let me, let me, <laughs> sure. It's it's natural to me. So <laughs> gotta make sure. Uh but yeah, uh, I'm feeling great. Uh just got back from Vancouver actually this weekend. Mm-hmm. What were you doing in Vancouver? Um I was working, uh I was performing a show at Westward Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was pretty cool, actually. I was there with Ram Riddles. Ram uh, Riddles. Ram yeah, Riddles. Ram Riddles. Uh Sweeterman. Ram Riddles of yeah. Sweeterman yeah. fame. Can we hear a little dope. bit that for a second? I just need to take everybody back to 2014. After that, uh, I mean, wait. I saw Ram Riddles, which was great performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love Vancouver, and the performance was at uh, Fortune Sound Club, which mm. I played. I played before with uh, Sweater Beats. Uh, shout out to Sweater! But uh, during this performance, I I have this song in my set called Throwback that I released off here, so and um, it extrapolates like some lyrics from uh, Slow Jams, the Kanye West song, and. 
uh, being that I'm in the generation that I'm in and we grew up on Ye and we love that song so much, um, I thought that it would be fun to do a little mix between the two and kind of have a throwback come in right after Slow Jams. Mm -hmm. And I start playing, you know, the, the Jamie Foxx, you know, intro. I look at the crowd and nobody's really responsive. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm like, wait, wait, this, you know what I mean? Um, then the hook comes in and uh, Kanye's verse comes in and that's like one of my favorite verses from him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once it gets to the point where it was like, I told it to drive over in a new whip, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. they actually didn't know those lyrics and I kind of got really, really, really sad that I had to <laughs> sing by myself until I said... She got a light-skinned friend, looked like Michael Jackson. That was like the only time they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what is going on? I felt really bad because I had even, you know, I DJ my sets myself. Mm -hmm. So I had, I had cut it purposely on, purposely on the um, Ableton set. And so it was already cut out. So I, I expected them like to jump shows, in with shows you. you how much faith I had Somebody in the song. catch me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was nobody there. Good mm. thing I didn't stage out. But yeah, it was like it was cool. Um, outside of that, yeah. <laughs> outside of outside yeah. <laughs> of not being able to pick up, you feeling much older than you actually are. <laughs> but um, it's because the drink. I think like a lot of like the nightlife on their weekends is a little different out there in Vancouver because the drinking age is nineteen. Mm -hmm. So you'll see like a lot of younger people. Like I'm pretty sure there are fakes in there. You know what I mean? Saw a lot of sixteen year olds. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Security, step it up. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was like, it, it definitely felt like uh, a younger crowd. And, and that reminded me that this is like, you know, a decade remo <laughs> removed from them. Yeah, like, yeah. But I, I mean, like to go back to your your kind of interpolations, another thing that you did was on the Yerasol EP, um, you had a song called Lately that had a string quartet that yeah. you were talking about was kind of like late registration era Kanye when he was working with John Bryan. Yeah, definitely. Um, hey. And around that time, you were talking about how you, well, you, were, you started producing more of your own stuff and you're doing even more of that now and, you know, being a multi-instrumentalist. And what instrument are you most into now? Right. Uh, versus like then where you were, you know, like playing more with strings and more, I guess, ornate sounds. Um, I think that's a good question. I think like what I'm most into now is guitar. Mm -hmm. um, I actually bought myself like a PRS, like Santana, like guitar, way too expensive for me to be buying like for my first guitar. <laughs> but I, I had to like make an investment on me to like actually play something. Uh -huh. So because I, I feel like you get kind of like uh lazy in a way like sometimes when you're only wearing one hat in like uh, a session you know what i mean or like yeah. being the rapper or even just being the producer and like you know what i mean chopping up samples and doing however you produce so like it felt like i had to like learn something and i'm still learning but like i felt like you know grabbing an axe was really just going to be something that would test me and now i love how it sounds on things that i'm working on production wise mm -hmm. and also like when i'm in the room with producers like that really can shred or something like i already have demos and stuff like that so you can like tease out an idea then they can follow that exactly okay. or just kill it you right, know? Right, right, and right, that, right. that kind of like building is like what i'm really interested in doing like further with my projects and i feel like the production side of what i was doing was always there mm -hmm. but now it's 
it's solidified with like being able to play a little bit and being able to communicate. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so talk to me about Fallback, uh, one of the recent singles that came out, that, which is great, by the way. Um, e. Can we actually, can we hear a little bit of that? See your history and damn time flies. Seems like yesterday you was the one that I liked. Had to read between the lines, girl. Something. Right, so I mean, like, there's kind of like that walking bass line, which is sounds a little bit like uh, them changes from Thundercat, but like, how does a song like that come together? Or even Greyhound, which also takes guitar elements after the after the bunny hop uh, like reference that I really like a lot. Yeah, shout out to the entourage. Shout out to the entourage. Um, I first with Fallback, I actually was. In the studio with Micah, um, another Micah, mm-hmm. but his real name is like Mika, it's spelled like yours. But uh, he uh, he played me the record and I remember we were working on something else. We were working on like, we have a little side project that we're working on. And he played me this, this song that he had worked on with Digi, uh, this producer who's also incredible. And it had those vocal chops at the beginning, like right before the bass line actually dropped. Uh-huh. And as soon as it dropped, I literally said, get me in the studio right now. Like, give me, give me in the booth right now. And I went into the booth and the first melodies that I sung were the ones that like stuck on the song. And then I like wound up writing actually mm. like, in between it. But yeah, it was like one of those, like, you know, how people are like, I made a song in like 15 minutes. This was like one Actual take. moment this was, like, of synthesis, right? First take, like I still use lyrics from that. It was crazy. Mm. So yeah. What about what about Greyhound? Like, did you did you start with the Bunny Hop by the Entourage, which we know <laughs> from middle school dances in Louisiana? Or <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny because I I worked on that song with uh, a Swedish group. Um, they are amazing. They're called Fotolori and Robin um, and Bali. They are amazing mm-hmm. musicians, and we were working. They were in town um, in LA. And uh, we were working on trying to find something that was a little bit more soulful, but still kind of inventive. Mm-hmm. And I, 2015, um, one of my favorite albums, I think this is is obviously uh, in stiff competition with Kendrick, but uh, was the Tame Impala record, Currents. Oh, yeah. So I was like, I mean, that was like my favorite album. Like, you know what I mean? Those two. So like, I felt like, what is a way that, I can bring a little bit of a hip hop element to a sound that I really was influenced by in like my first time in Cali. And I felt like I was, I wanted to make a vibe around the guitar. Like that's something that I'm really interested in. Mm -hmm. So uh, they started working on the track and I was just writing lyrics. And I remember I kind of tried a little hard. Like at first when I was writing to it, I wanted it to be like super deep and like all emotional. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know what happened. I just thought about the bunny hop because I started singing na 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 na. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's the bunny hop. So I played it for them. Uh, this was like one of the funniest things I got to do in that session was put some Swedish guys on the entourage <laughs> and on bunny hop and like show them how to bunny hop. And they were like, they loved it so much. Like the vibe from there just cruised. And then that's like how we got the song. It was just, it was funny. That's cool, man. Yeah. So on the Yorosol EP, there were themes of uh, basically, for lack of a less poetic way to put it, like metamorphosis, uh, like coming through hardship, Facts. finding a new, you know, like a new normal. There's also some techno paranoia on there. <laughs> um, what uh, what themes are you 
kind of leaning into now with the newer stuff that you're working on? Uh, I feel like the new themes are like positivity and even more so just uh, a little bit of a brighter um, sound in general. I feel like I'm at a space where I'm starting to figure out a lot of things about how I want to record, what type of production I like, and just kind of crafting and mastering what is like the the Pell sound mm-hmm. that it feels like uh, I want to make sure that every release I do is different from the last. And I felt like this last project was a little bit darker in tone at, at times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want this to be like the light at the end of the tunnel. You know what I mean? And I, I kind of consider myself, sometimes I feel like an artist. Sometimes I feel like a playlist. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I just want to put people on to new types of music. And that's why like I have these releases that are a little bit more me singing than anything else. Like, Mm -hmm. and people know me as like rapper, like, you know what I mean? And I feel like uh, with this, it's just about like trying new things, but definitely a little bit brighter. Right. So like the hair, like (laughs) it's been, it's been about seven different colors in the last, (laughs) in the last month. But also like you had this quote in a billboard interview uh, in December said, as long as you're consistent in terms of quality and you have that as your base, it's easy to build on that foundation. Now, would you still like right now say that it's easy to change with every project? Oof. Uh, I think it is. I think it's easier than than committing to one sound when you're influenced by as much music as I am. Mm-hmm. If I was kind of like not trying to do something inventive, which I think I, is what I'm doing, um, it, it would be stale. You know what I mean? I don't like yeah. things to be predictable. Like the reason why I still feel like I make music is because it's a journey. And through that journey, you have to evolve as a person as well as a musician or songwriter and all of that and you can't do that staying in the same mm-hmm. like you know what i mean even though there is a premium on that i feel like you know what i mean like knowing what an artist sounds like like every album i feel like there is like a premium on that so that you know what you're getting before like an, an album comes out or something like that i just feel like that's not as um it's not as spontaneous and it's not as uh progressive in my opinion, right, like you right, know, right, what I mean, right. like we're too, we're influenced by too much in this mm-hmm. day and age, you know. All right, well, Pell, thank you very much for coming by to talk about your own stuff and some of the stuff that you're into right now. I really appreciate it. For sure, thank you, man. Yeah, thank of course. That's all we got. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to Pell and Donnie Quart for stopping by. Shout out my producer, Zach Mack. Don't forget to check out our playlist that we'll be updating every week with the songs we're listening to. A link to that is in the description. Also, please rate and subscribe if you like the show, but only if you like the show. We'd really appreciate it. Peace. See you next week. Stay black. Today's episode of On Shuffle is brought to you by Sonos. Meet the Sonos Beam, the smart, compact soundbar for your TV. Beam lets you play everything you love, from music and radio to movies, TV, podcasts like this one, and more. All with rich sound that fills the room. It's super simple to set up. But if you don't want to bother, Sonos will send someone to do it for you. That's right. If you live in any major metropolitan area, up and running will have a Sonos expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. 
I actually had somebody come and set mine up. It was a lovely experience. We talked about the weather and then we watched football together. Just order from Sonos.com and select up and running at checkout if you qualify. 